Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And here we are. We have been on the road between Salt Lake City and Logan, Utah, several times this week. <laughs> I know that's we, not quite as exciting as when we call in from Dubai or the Philippines or Antarctica or something, but Logan's pretty, it's still a pretty exciting place sometimes, Linda. And Ogden, too, where our daughter lives. Actually, Ogden has become one of our favorite cities in Utah. It's absolutely an awesome place to live. Our daughter lives there right downtown almost, and honestly, it is so fun. There's so many great activities for kids, for you know, families. You, you know, somebody said to me the other day, Linda, you weren't even there, but he said, uh, hey, I listen to ours on the road every week, but uh, you guys need to tell us what you're going to talk about right at the top of the show every time. He said, I listen for about 10 minutes, and it's just all this interesting but rambling stuff about where you've been and what you've been doing. So I'm going to follow his advice and tell you that the title of today's show is Halloween and Imagination. Now, if that doesn't and creativity. Get you, you better add creativity because that's what Halloween is all about. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Now, I have to say, having given you that title, that uh, I'm repenting a little bit. I'm in, the, I'm in the process of repenting for being a real naysayer and a real negative guy when it comes to Halloween. I used to always say, I have some favorite holidays, but I'll tell you what my least favorite holiday is. It's this weird holiday where people go around dressed up as dead people and ghouls and monsters and all kinds of nonsense. And what do the kids learn from that? I mean, why can't we just get rid of Halloween and move right into Thanksgiving a little earlier? Because what could be more wholesome than giving thanks and being grateful and and uh, gathering as families and eating turkey, what could be more productive than that? And what could be less productive than going around as little monsters and eating way too much candy and, um, you know, trying to scare people? I mean, what, what could be worse? But like I say, I'm repenting. I've decided that uh, there actually are some redeeming virtues to Halloween and the most important ones are it gives kids and adults, let's be honest, an opportunity to get outside themselves, to use their imagination and their creativity, and to sort of be something else for a day or for an evening. And that's not all bad. And actually, I saw um, an Instagram yesterday and there was a mom, it showed a picture of two little kids at the sink playing in some water, and they had their Halloween costumes on. And she said, I like to be sure that my kids wear their Halloween costumes all month. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Oh, That's look. going a little bit far. <laughs> well, let me read you the uh, an email that just came in today from our son who lives in Hawaii, in Maui, with his wonderful wife, who is the consummate costume maker and Halloween aficionado. Wouldn't you agree, Linda? Oh, wow. They don't send Christmas cards. They send Halloween cards. They send Halloween cards. And they, this, she spends this, as much time on that as she does on Christmas. Yeah, and this is a just a little note in a uh, letter from her husband, and she he just mentions, you know, um, 
he's saying, you know, this Asia of mine, this wife of mine, <clears throat> was making costumes last night, and you would have been totally amazed. And he says, well, actually not very amazed because you know Asia, but you would have been rendered numbness that this lady of mine has more creativity in her little finger than any of the rest of us in our whole bodies. She did introduce a new element this year, a new sewing machine into the mix, and some gold spray paint which may, and silver face paint, which make her creations even more interesting. Watch out, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really pretty amazing. They, she does a great job with Halloween. But you know it passes on to her kids. I mean, this this couple has five children, and all of them are, well, I mean, I don't want to sit here and brag about my grandkids, but wouldn't you say all five of those kids are remarkably creative? And wouldn't you say that, one of the things that fosters it is Halloween, but but Jane and Asia they sort of have two or three Halloweens a year. I mean, we'll get we'll get uh, videos or, or YouTube things from them or, or Instagram things in in February, and they're dressed up in costumes. And maybe it's sort of a a year long audition for what they're going to be on Halloween. I think it is. In fact, they are so amazing. They have one child who is really gifted. I mean, she just has a passion for this. One year, she made butterfly wings that were like four feet out from her body on both sides. And uh, just gorgeous butterfly patterns on these wings. Like, how in the world do you do that? It is amazing. But it does come from the encouragement that she gives to her I mean, that her, the mom gives to their kids about the importance of creativity. And I don't think she talks about it. She just does it. Now, some some listeners may be saying what I've said before, which is, yeah, but come on. <clears throat> Do we really have time for all that nonsense? I mean, wouldn't it be better if they were off, you know, reading their literature book or, or doing their math homework or something instead of all this costuming? And, and wouldn't it be better if they had a nice, healthy broccoli dinner on Halloween instead of eating a ton of candy. And it's easy to be a critic of Halloween. But one of the main ways that I that, that that Halloween bugs me is it does sort of, well, part of the reason it used to bug me, and I'm getting over it, like I said, is that it's, it's, it's most kids' favorite holiday, or at least their second favorite holiday. I'll bet if there was a survey, maybe there is one, we should research this. On you know what is the favorite holiday of kids? Uh, you got to believe Christmas would be number one, but I I really think Halloween would be number two. Oh, I do too, without any doubt. And, and I what? remember loving going to the Halloween parades down at Indian Hills Elementary School in Salt Lake. It it was so fun, and it actually was kind of fun and also disturbing because it was a contest of the mothers to see who could come up with the most creative idea. Yeah, but, right. But, um, but you know, but you it know, is the, amazing. Yeah, the, the uh, I, I do think, I was thinking about this this morning as we were getting ready to do this show, I, maybe, maybe this is just a normal thing. We always think things were a little better when we were kids, and I, I do think that... Uh, you know, we used to have these wonderful Halloween festivals. Some schools still do it, but you don't see it very much anymore. I we were up in Logan, as you mentioned, Linda, yesterday, and and uh, I was walking past my old elementary school. And here's the funny thing: I can remember 
which room the fish pond was in. I can remember which room the apple bobbing was in. I can remember where the spook alley was down in the basement. I can remember those things. So it must have made quite an impression on me, and I, I wish we still had a few more of those. I think what's happened generally, and I'm slipping back into my criticism mode, so i got to watch myself, but I think Halloween's just becoming more commercial. That's the big problem. That's the real problem because you've got Halloween everywhere, and you've got stores selling not only candy and stuff to give to trick-or-treaters, but all kinds of costuming and different things. It's a bonanza for a lot of retailers. And then here's what really bothers me is on the day after Halloween in the stores, in the malls, in the commercial places of business, down come the witches and the ghosts and up go Santa Claus and the reindeer. And wait a minute, wait a minute. What about Thanksgiving? Are we going to have any time to be thankful and to enhance and work on our gratitude? You know, I, I uh, went into a craft store a couple of weeks ago looking for something. I can't remember what I was looking for, but I was just amazed at the Halloween decorations that were there. And I could not find anything that had anything to do with Thanksgiving, which is just, you know, three weeks later. And it really is kind of disturbing that we spend so much time on Halloween and not so much on Thanksgiving. But, you know, we can hey, talk wait, about wait, that. Wait, maybe here's an idea. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should revolt by having our Halloween costumes be uh, pilgrims and Indians and turkeys. Oh, sure. Sure, that would work. <laughs> Actually, there's a lot of that going on at Thanksgiving, so, you know, that's all right. But it is, creativity is something that we don't think enough about. Um, we were both listening. We were both in different cars this morning, and we were both listening to uh, a thing. I don't know if it was NPR or just here we are. But yeah, anyway, it was, it was yeah. so interesting. A poet, a poet who was on there, and honestly, she just she was so dreamy that you wondered if she could get to the end of her sentence, you know, because she obviously lived in a different world than most of us. But she saw the world through poets' eyes, and I think we can do that more. I mean, I mentioned on the radio show earlier about an article that I'd read about a woman who is a fabulous poet, world-renowned, I can't remember her name right now, sorry, but um, she said, you know, if you wake up every morning and think my day is going to be a poem, and you look for all the things that that could be, I'm sitting here looking at an autumn tree that is just spectacular, and it does lift your spirits. I do have to say that you can't really do that Every day, except if you want to include uh, the hard stuff as well as the good stuff that happens in your life. Um, We've been struggling this week with uh, uh, extended family issues. And wow, I mean. Before we get to that, let me me just uh, comment on what you said a minute ago. Uh, What I would say to a critic who's saying, you know, what I mentioned a few minutes ago is saying, well, you know, this is a bunch of wasted time, all this creating costumes and figuring out what your imagination is. You ought to be doing your math homework. What I would say to that person is, look, let's, let's all acknowledge that we live in a world filled with professions and careers which rely far more on imagination and creativity and being able to think out of the box and being able to come up with something unique 
than than careers that have to do with being able to do your times tables or 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 diagram a sentence. I'm not saying those traditional school subjects aren't important, but I do think we have to place some real value on creativity. And and for what it's worth, I just think the best way, at least for me, to get over my problems with Halloween is just to think of it as potentially a celebration for creativity and imagination. And after the break, Linda, you have come up with some very creative ways to overcome the uh, eat a ton of candy and the uh, trick-or-treat for everything unhealthy in the world syndrome. And I think we better pass some of those creative ideas on to the parents. And then I know you also want to get to this extended family thing, which is uh, really on our minds right now. So we'll we'll be right back after this short break. Right. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. We're talking about Halloween, but how it's connected to creativity today and um, how we can teach our kids, hopefully, to use it as a, as a way to be more creative and think outside the box. And more imaginative, to let their imaginations run wild. And by the way, we would all acknowledge as parents and grandparents that when it comes to imagination, kids are our teachers. We're not their teachers. We're the, we're the learners. They're the teachers. They're the ones that can really imagine things, sometimes almost frighteningly so. <laughs> That's for sure. In fact, um, I do have to say that I've made a transition, too, since our kids are all left home. It's just up to the parents, the, you know, our kids, to be taking care of their kids' Halloween costumes and all their needs. But it really was a hard time when all of our kids were home. I, it just used to drive me crazy because to buy expensive Halloween costumes for all those kids was not in our budget. And so they had to figure out what they wanted to be on their own. And, and actually, there's a really cool um, little post about that. Sadie, I don't know if you know this or not, but Sadie, our daughter who lives in Boston, um, has her kids do their own Halloween costumes 100%. And uh, she did an article on powerofmoms.com. If you want to look at it, it's pretty cute. They powerofmoms.com, that is a cute article. But um, it really was driving me crazy because they would just they'd get their minds that they wanted to be a witch, and then they, no, no, I really, I really want to be a clown. I said, well, go figure it out. I mean, but still, I ended up running to the store, getting black um, hairspray, and getting eyeballs and all that crazy stuff. And by the way, you can't just, be a clown this year because clowns are dangerous. They're you oh, know that's right. clown, that's the right. whole clown thing. You better think of another idea. <laughs> Um, but it really was driving me crazy. And by the time Halloween was over, the whole bathroom was spray painted gold and had glitter all over it. It took a long time to clean up. And I was just exhausted by the time we got done with Halloween every year. But, you know, as I look back, I did have empty, actually have a drawer 
it's now empty, but a big drawer just full of Halloween costumes. And I would just say, go down and choose whatever you want. Put everything, you know, put something creative together. It really well, they weren't even not, they weren't even costumes. They were the making the potential makings of costumes. Right. You know, right. cardboard and ribbons and and chiffon and scarves and well, witch hats and witch you know, hats stuff and that, whatever they sheets, wanted to old sheets, put together. Yeah. But I wanted to say too, Linda. Let's let's let, let me embarrass you a little here, and this this is the truth, and Linda may refute it, but. One of Linda's worries was they're eating too much candy, so she would actually send our kids out early. They'd collect a lot of candy. They'd bring it home, and then that was the candy Linda would give out to the kids that trick-or-treated at our house. So it was kind of like candy recycling. It was kind of like, um, you know, a, an ecology move where, where go ahead and get the candy, kids, but you're not going to eat it. We're going to recycle it and give it to the kids that come to our house. I thought that was creativity, by the way. Well, honey, you you sound that sounds terrible. I mean, you take your send your kids out, and then they have to give everything away. We had them choose what it was that they liked, that they really yeah. Come on, you let them take like two pieces of candy, and then you gave all the rest back to other kids. That is not right. They chose whatever (laughs) they wanted to keep a reasonable amount, and then we gave away that. There there was there were some excuse me houses where let's say a mom. you know, gives candy to one of her kids, and then half hour later, it comes back with her kid in another bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, but there are a lot of methods for doing that. There are parents who say, you know, you can have five pieces of candy, and then you can, we can put it in your room, or we can put it in the cupboard, and you can have one every day. And sometimes Halloween candy could last a whole year if you do that. I mean, we know the number of kids that have come to our door with pillowcases. That they were filling oh, up with candy, yeah. which is really, really you know, sick. You know, Linda. The be- I think I'm just thinking the best, the best, the thing that has passed on the tradition, and it is a creative one, really creative one. Now that I think about it, and imaginative, that has passed on to the most of our kids. I think they all do it now with their kids. Is the great pumpkin carving contest. And and what what used to make that so fun for us is we would get these pumpkins and we would say, now, you know, we, we can help you a little if you need, you know, if you're not strong enough to push this old dull pumpkin carving knife in and cut out an eyeball or something, we can help. But you got to design it yourself, and we're not going to give you any ideas. But when we're done, we're going to set them all up and put candles in them by the window and then there's going to be a judge. There's going to be a secret judge come by the house, and he is going to award prizes to the pumpkins that he likes best. And and the, the great thing was that somehow that magical judge came by, and he he or she, we don't know who it was, did not. Uh, he always had nine prizes, so all the kids would get something. And some of the some of the and they were just a little thing like a little card that said most creative or happiest pumpkin or weirdest pumpkin or pumpkin most likely to be broken before evening or just you know all these different things and they all got a prize and they were all quite delighted with their prize and all of our kids did the same thing now so that old pumpkin judge must be out there prowling around neighborhoods and awarding awards to the best, most imaginative pumpkins. 
Yeah, I, and, you know, that's evolving, too. A lot of people are now painting pumpkins or drawing, you know, doing magic markers, uh, permanent magic markers and pumpkins because, man, it's hard to get those seeds out of there. I mean, whatever it is you do, it really, our kids do look back on Halloween, hopefully with great memories and not their mom pulling out their hair, her hair, um, who was a witch herself during Halloween for every day for a long time. You were always, um, you always dressed as a witch, Linda, and then you wrote a book called I Didn't Plan to Be a Witch. I mean, let's, let's face it, <laughs> Halloween's had a big influence on you over the years. It has for sure. <laughs> but um, hopefully they're looking back on those days with great memories. Now, I know some of you who have children at home think, uh-uh, this is never going to end. This is never going to end. And and those of you who have maybe two or three children are going like, oh, we've got to take advantage of every year because this is going to end, you know. And it, it really is a, a different mentality when you have fewer children. But we were, I was really looking forward to the end. But now um, – it's, we're not even going to be here on Halloween, which is sad to me because I love seeing all those kids. I love seeing their creativity and the things that they come up with. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, again, another another issue um, with a lot of people about Halloween, I had heard a person ask this the other day. He said, well, okay, we'll give in and we'll do the ghost thing and we'll go to the haunted mansion or whatever. And, again, there comes the commercialism coming in again. But... But he said, the problem is, most holidays, when you're a parent, you can, if you want, I mean, if this is your orientation, you can think of a spiritual connection or a, a spiritual aspect of the celebration of that of that holiday. I mean, obviously, Christmas is, can be about Christ, and Thanksgiving can be about gratitude to God, and Easter, obviously, is a religious holiday, and he said, almost all holidays, you can really put a, a spiritual tone on them or a spiritual spin, a spiritual twist. But he said, not Halloween. I mean, not unless you want to talk about devils and uh, goblins in the underworld and so on. And and I was thinking about that, and I, I, I think he's probably right. It is the hardest one to to have any real teaching moments in, unless you go to this thing about creativity. I remember one discussion we had with uh, with our some of our grandkids about how how creative God must be because look at look at what He made look look at the variety of animals that that are on this earth look at the variety of plants don't don't some of them almost show that that God has a sense of humor I mean look at these clownfish or these these tropical fish look at look at some of the crazy birds and insects there are and, and i remember one of the kids said do you think there was a contest i mean do you think um you know maybe maybe there was a uh, maybe there was a competition who can create the 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 best insect and there'll be 10 million winners and those are the ones we'll actually put on the earth or whatever and it was really interesting to to see some of these kids think about the creativity and the variety and the sort of imagination of God. Now, that's a bit of a stretch to connect that to Halloween, but I do think we can we can maybe, if you're looking for an opportunity to, to create a, some kind of a spiritual connection, you can sort of talk with your kids about creativity and imagination and whether it's a good thing and how to make it a good thing and so on, and maybe that'll even lead back to a discussion about... Uh, 
uh, and diversity, you know, how God can love every creature and every person and how no two people look alike, uh, even twins. We have some twin boys, and if you look closely, they're each unique. And I think that's kind of a neat discussion to get into with kids. Well, and also, I think we have to realize that creativity isn't just happening at Halloween. We need to be creative every day in everything that we do. I was thinking about this on the way home today because we were driving home in separate cars, and I was thinking, you know, because we've been working, I mentioned in the first half, we've been working on an extended family issue that is pretty pretty hard. And I thought, you know, we just need to be creative about this. We need to think how we can creatively make this work for everybody. And, you know, if every day we use our creative minds to, you know, get outside the box and don't just do things like everybody does them and just what is expected, but just think, how can I do this outside the box? How can how can we solve this? It pretty, I mean, you often call it lateral thinking, honey. We used to talk about lateral thinking a lot, and maybe you want to expand on that a little bit, but it really is important to be creative in everything that we do. Well, I do I do think there's a lot, uh, you know, this is kind of going beyond Halloween, as you suggested a little bit. Lateral thinking is an interesting term, which it's almost like a football analogy. You can, if you're going to try to run down the field, you can, you can run straight forward and try to run over people or run through the line or, or overpower people, or you can run laterally, which means to the side, right? You can you can try to run around people. You can try to, to get there by a more creative route, and I think. Almost all people, as they as they live their lives, begin to learn that uh, the old way of doing things, the way everyone else does something, is not necessarily the best way. And I think that applies to parenting. I think that applies to, you know, uh, within our families. One of the real worries that you and I have always had, Linda, about uh, writing parenting books, as we often do, is that we don't want to ever appear to be saying, this is the right way to do this. This is the right, right way to discipline. This is the correct way to motivate a child. Because guess what? Every single child is different, and every single family is different. And um, the best thing we can hope to do is throw out some ideas and some prototypes of things that we've seen work in other families but always to encourage a father and a mother to say, hey, the main, the main thing here in parenting is to get to know who these kids of mine really are. If you, if you believe that each child, as many people listening to this show do, came from another place and is already a well-developed personality and spirit now growing up in a, in a new little body, then what you're doing as a parent is you're saying, who is this kid really? How can I get to know what works for him? How can I be the mother or father he needs? Not the one my other son needs, but the one this one needs. Right, exactly. Well, I have to say that our time is gone again. It flies by, and we only have one more week 
before Halloween, and then we can launch into Thanksgiving, which we love. In fact, um, we have our book called The Thankful Heart in Costco, somebody told me the other day, so it's there and it can be found on Amazon. And we're going to be talking about different ways we can be grateful. And right now we just need to be grateful for Halloween, right? And creativity. Absolutely. And, and by the way, don't ever expect the Irish to write a book on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not going we that did far. Write, we did write one on Thanksgiving, and we, we love this book, The Thankful Heart, and, and maybe that's the place to end. May we all, even in Halloween, have a thankful heart for the creativity and imagination that the holiday may bring to our families. So see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> 